In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace and peace to you from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Who is Jesus really? How do you answer someone who asks you about who Jesus is? How about the answer many of you had to memorize? Jesus Christ says, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary. He is God and man. But this doesn't make much sense. It especially would be ludicrous for the great philosophers, Plato and Aristotle. God must and can only be that one who is above all and beyond all. He must be only concerned with himself. He must be only looking at himself since he alone is perfect. He must only be thinking of himself. He can't be involved with life down here. He must be detached in eternity. This world is too messy, too filthy, too broken for such a high, great being to bother himself with it. And certainly there are those who hold this view today. I once visited a man in the hospital who was suffering the effects of his mother drinking too much alcohol while carrying him. His body was broken and he had multiple problems. After conversing with him regarding God and mankind, he commented on how what I said was so different from what he heard other places. What he had heard was how great and mighty God was and how we were nothing but dirt and dust. Something that we would affirm as true. What he hadn't heard before was this idea that God valued this dirt. That God made a good and perfect creation. That creation reflected his nature before the fall, such that he did not look down on it, but rather loved it. Somehow it seems that this view of God as detached with creation existing beneath him like some unwanted waste product, that this view had somehow altered the Christian message he had heard. Such a God as that really makes man irrelevant or worthless. Yet some think any other kind of God is not worthy of worship. If God came down here and actually walked with men, or condescended to them in their understanding, then he would get dirty with our filth. Everything would be turned on its head if God came down in human flesh to serve man. That would be backwards. God is to be perfect above the fray, above the politics, someone who rises above all the rancor, not someone involved in the gritty day-to-day affairs of man. Especially not one who would end up suffering at the hands of men like Jesus did. This is just unconscionable. Such a God would repulse Plato, 
Aristotle, and many others. Just consider how such a God repulses the followers of Muhammad that practice Islam. Bogirtz, in his novel, The Knights of Rhodes, illustrates this well. The Muslim Turk, Ibrahim, tells his Christian master that he will go to heaven because he has a better faith. Better than his Christian master? Why? The Muslim Turks answer, because we Muslims would never venture to say that the infinitely exalted would have a son with a woman, that the glorious and divine, the blessed and unspeakable, who we cannot find a word for, that he would be found in a wretched, sweaty human body that is susceptible to sores and colic, has to stuff itself with porridge and go to the bathroom like we do? Lord, it is blasphemy. That's what the Jews themselves would end up claiming. Because here, Jesus, a mere man, is claiming to be God. He doesn't exercise his power like they thought God should. He doesn't crush the sinners and mortal men. He isn't praising those trying the hardest. No, instead, Jesus is putting up with sinners. But look at the disciples fighting over who is the greatest. Can't you just see them? Peter asserting that he's been given the kings of the kingdom. He's the rock, after all, on which the church will be built. James and John pumping out their breasts, boasting of how Jesus said they would drink his cup and have the same baptism as he did. Maybe even threatening to call down lightning on the rest. Another might assert that he's thrown out more demons than any of them. Simon the Zealot might threaten to give a show of physical strength that will show he's certainly on top. And if that isn't enough, Satan has taken advantage of all this chaos. Devilishly, he infiltrates the heart of Judas Iscariot, the one who held the money bag. Just imagine that, an apostle's heart possessed by Satan. He's become an instrument of the red dragon. He's in Satan's hands with his mouth. He will betray the God-man Jesus unto death. What's more? Jesus knows it. Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Jesus even knows who it is, but he doesn't do anything to stop Judas Iscariot. He doesn't even seem overly concerned with the matter. It's like he's going to allow the one to betray him to do so. But how can that be? How can God act this way? Is this the way God is supposed to act? And then he talks of his betrayal in the strangest words. This betrayal into death. Now is the Son of Man glorified... And in him, God 
is glorified. What kind of God is this? What kind of God allows such fighting and strife among his followers even to this day? What kind of God would permit himself to be handed over to die through such deception and trickery and treachery? And how can he speak of all this as his glorification? What kind of glory is this? Where's the glory of God in taking on human flesh, being born a little baby? Who would want a God like this? Who wants a God who gets sick or hungers, who coughs, who experiences a myriad of bodily functions that we consider undignified? Who wants a God who is betrayed by one of his own chosen disciples? Well, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because we don't have a choice in the matter. This is our Lord. This is our God. He does it. He takes on human flesh. He wears our skin to redeem it and create it. He wears it to renew it for you and me. He does the unthinkable. He actually condescends to mankind, living in our flesh just like us, dying our death. This is so important to note. One of my co-workers, Pat, at the warehouse where I once worked, struggled with the idea of the God-man Jesus dying. How could he be fully God and really die? To him, it was like asking Superman to die in the place of men. No matter how much he acts like a man, he's still Superman seemed to be an impossibility for Jesus to be true God and true man. How could he die if he was still fully God? Because he truly took on human flesh in its fullness. He was truly man. I explained to him that it would be like Superman willingly and knowingly holding on to the kryptonite so that he was just as weak as any other man, and even able to die. He truly bore the frailties of human flesh for you and me, and he did it by his choice. But even more than that, Jesus actually acts as a servant. Just look at what he does at the Passover meal with his disciples. He takes off his outer garment, wraps a towel around his waist and gets on his hands and knees and begins washing the disciples' feet. He serves them as a menial servant or as a slave might. He works as a servant. He does work that not even equals do. For each other. Here is God serving sinners. His concern isn't for his well-being, but for his disciples. 
for you. He's concerned with redeeming and saving you. He loves you so much that he lowers himself to hide his majesty in human flesh and to really and truly die on the cross. He suffers damnation in his death and thereby rescues sinners. He saves you and me. But his condescending to our level wasn't just then, that one time. No, he does it again and again to serve you. In baptism, Jesus has stooped to our level, into our filthy world, to wash you clean, to make you holy and perfect. He came to abide with you through his name placed on you and to deliver his spirit unto you, which he promised. In his supper, Jesus stoops down to give you his very body and blood, that which he sacrificed on the cross for you, that which he raised to new life. He comes to give you of his very self so that you would have forgiveness and life, so that you would be a new creation. In some new creation, he has made you. For now, you are moved by his service. For he works inside you through his service. He works in you to move you toward the same levels of good works to do as Jesus did, preparing for service and washing the feet of your brothers and sisters here. He is the one truly moving you to lovingly serve your neighbor, to love the unloved, the neglected, and the needy. To go down deep to where such people are and to serve them, living like little Christs to those in need around you. This is his good use for you now as you trust his promise that he died for you, as you cling to the truth that the sacramental bread and wine are his body and blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins, for your life, your salvation. What a wonderful God. What a loving Savior. That's Jesus true God, and true man, so that you would have true redemption in your flesh, delivered by the only one who could do it, God himself. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.